through a story that you may be very familiar with. And sometimes when we get familiar with a, with a text in the Word of God, it seems to lose its power over us. It really ought to not do that. And if you're opening up the Pew Bible, then it's page 861. So let me encourage everybody to get a Bible open, page 861 or Luke chapter 5. Let's all get a Bible in front of us, young or older. Let's see what God has as we unwrap this. And we're going to start in verse 12. But let me just tell you this, that even though we're in the gospel according to Luke, the gospel, which means good news, the good news according to Matthew about Jesus gives us a detail that is very interesting as we are about to see this event unfold. Matthew, and you can see it on the screen behind me, Matthew says this, when he came down from the mountain, Jesus, great crowds followed him, and behold, a leper came to him. This is the same event that we're about to unwrap, except Matthew tells us he just came down out of a mountain, meaning that he had just preached the Sermon on the Mount. So now you've got your bearings, you've got a little bit of context. Jesus just preached this incredible sermon. He comes down off of that mountain, and Luke tells us in verse 12, there came a man full of leprosy. And so I want to ask you, very candidly, just think about this for a second. What comes to your mind immediately when you hear the word leprosy? If you're older or if you were forced to watch a movie in school called Ben-Hur, maybe you're thinking of the Valley of the Lepers scene. You've got Charlton Heston, who is incredibly overacting in that moment. It's kind of comical. Maybe that's what you think of when you think of the word leprosy. Some of you might be thinking, well, that's an ancient disease. Well, I'm going to tell you that as recently as 2017, there were 211 plus thousand new leprosy cases that were registered globally. That's the World Health Organization. They tabulated that statistic from 159 countries. So there's probably more. 211,000 plus new cases of leprosy just two years ago. So the Greek word for leprosy in this text actually means scaliness. You know, think scale like a crocodile or an alligator and it covers that word leprosy it covers a very wide variety of skin diseases a leper could be somebody with a rash it could be somebody with an infection or a serious bacterial leprosy which modern day is actually called Hansen's disease and Hansen's disease, which I think this man had in Luke chapter 5, begins with a very white, pinkish patch of skin, and it's typically found in the beginning on the nose or the ear, the forehead or the face, where there's a lot of blood vessels that are close to the surface of your skin. See, leprosy takes a lot of time to advance. It usually takes 10 to 20 years to progress from that white pinkish patch to when you die from it. And as it spreads, the eyebrows, and I want you to get this because this man was full of leprosy. You're going to see it in a minute. It is spreading the eyebrows, the eyelashes actually disappear. 
spongy, tumorous growths begin on the face and then becomes systemic and it spreads around the body. And it progresses and it actually goes inward and attacks the larynx. So a leper that's getting advanced in leprosy speaks in a very grating, hoarse sound. Then it invades the bone marrow and it prevents blood supplies so that the nose, this is odd, if you can imagine this, the nose and your toes and your fingers actually begin to be reabsorbed back into the body. You think in leprosy maybe that while their fingers fall off, that's not really true, they get reabsorbed back into the body. A leper's eyes go blind, their teeth fall out, but you know what? Actually, it gets worse. See, leprosy attacks the nerve pathways so that neural impulses, those are the signals from your brain to a site where you get injured. That's how you feel that pain. It can't get transmitted. So the problem really with leprosy is that you can no longer feel pain. You don't know when you're injured. A small pebble gets in your sandal unaware. It opens a cut. The skin gets infected if you don't know about it, and if it's too late, then it goes to gangrene, and then they're going to have to amputate that limb. So in a leper colony, even today in leper colonies, they check over each other's bodies daily. They're looking for these unfelt cuts and these wounds because you cannot feel pain. Now, Luke was a doctor who wrote this gospel. He was a a physician physician. And he wrote in verse 12 that this man was full of leprosy. That's actually a clue for us. This isn't the beginning. This likely isn't a rash. This is full-blown what we call Hansen's disease, and it's all over his body. He's got tumors. Some of the extremities of his digits have been reabsorbed. He's got oozing sores, hair loss. There is a terrible stench that follows him. So it's not really that difficult to feel the desperation of this leper, verse 12, as he fell on his face and begged Jesus. I mean, I would just ask you for those of you who have gone through incredible trials whether that be physical or social or financial or relational. I mean, there gets a point where you're desperate and your prayers actually change. They're not just polite requests to the Lord. They are laments. They are pleading. So imagine the desperation in this leper's heart. But I've only told you about the physical suffering. And that's only one part of a leper's misery, for there is a social suffering too. If you contracted leprosy in that day and age, you were not allowed into any walled city, into any town that had a wall. You could not come into the temple. You could not go to a synagogue. Your only companions were other lepers and those who would help lepers. You'd be forcibly separated from your family. Actually, you would leave on your own. You wouldn't want them to get this terrible disease. 
And for the rest of your life, you would live not knowing the intimate touch of another. For the ancient world did not know of a cure for leprosy. Today, it's curable. It wasn't then. You'd have to cry out, unclean, unclean, whenever people got near you. In fact, Jewish law said that a leper could not get nearer than 140 feet to a person downwind. If the person was upwind, you could get within six feet. They were very strict with this. In fact, rabbis, these were Jewish pastors, they forbade people to even wave to a, to a leper. Other rabbis threw stones to drive them away. I mean, come on, of all people, rabbis should have been the most merciful, but they withheld it more than anybody. That this leprous man in chapter 5 of Luke came into one of the cities, Luke says. There's a reason he says that. He's breaking Jewish law. He is so desperate. And the fact that he came to the feet of Rabbi Jesus is shocking. It tells you how desperate he is. And it leads us to some deeper truths that can impact us today as well as show us the glory of Jesus. I'm going to offer three. There's a lot more. I had to keep whittling this down. Here's the first one that I'm pulling out. You're going to see things that I didn't see as you unwrap this gift. It's an amazing story. First, we see the deeper priority of Jesus. Now, I'm going to explain that, but I want you to get this anchored in your mind. The deeper priority of Jesus, this unfortunately is one that a lot of people miss. This one's often found in a little card that has money in it in the bottom of your gift that you were so eager to see the gift, you throw the box and the card away. The Apostle Paul taught Timothy, who was a young pastor at the church of Ephesus, that Jesus had a priority, and he always held to it when he came to this earth. Here's what Paul said, that the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, and here it is, here's the priority, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. So here's the priority. Jesus came to this world not to set all of the evils aright, not to get social justice as his top of his program. He didn't come to heal every disease. He came to save sinners. This is by and far the reason that Jesus came. He was focused on saving sinners. What's that mean? Because this might be jargon that you're not used to. What it means is he came to help people get right with God. And this is where we see an incredible spiritual truth of leprosy that we can actually see from a story that Malcolm Muggeridge shares. Malcolm Muggeridge was a journalist in, 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 in uh, England. He won all kinds of awards. He was a Christian. And he's on assignment in India and he leaves his hotel on a very hot evening of India to get to the river for a swim. And he's at the river, and this is customary then, 30 years ago, 20 years ago when this happened, still happens today, that people actually go to those rivers to bathe. So across the river, he sees a woman that had come to that river to have her bath. He sees her bare back. And he impulsively felt the temptation of the moment. 
His wife was back home in England. And as he began to think more and more about it, this is how temptation gains a footing. You keep thinking about it. He began thinking more and more about it. All of a sudden, he began to swim furiously toward the woman. He's trying to outdistance his conscience. And his mind fed him the fantasy that stolen waters would be secret, they would be sweet. He's swimming across a river. He gets two to three feet away from her when she turns around. And in that moment, all of his temptation instantly fled. He, it was replaced by horror. And he says these words, quote, she was a leper. And this creature grinned at me, showing a toothless mask. Angrily, he muttered under his breath to this woman, what a dirty, lecherous woman. And then all of a sudden, the gospel broke forth in his heart because in that moment, the shocking truth dawned on him. It wasn't the woman who was le lecherous. It was his own heart. This is the layer that Jesus is going to take us to. We've got a leper that is full of leprosy, a man full of leprosy. And he is pleading in desperation to Jesus, if you will, you can make me clean. What will Jesus do? And what does this story have to do with the gospel? You see, the physical leper before Malcolm Muggeridge mirrored the spiritual leper in him. He was a sinner in need of cleansing. And friends, I'm gonna tell you something, and this is how you open the gift called the word of God. Every miracle that Jesus ever performed was a portrayal of the gracious work of God in this world, his greatest priority. So when Jesus miraculously fed the 5,000 men, plus women and children, and then the next day the people were all looking at him, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. What is he saying? Well, we put it this way, you can't see the forest for the trees. You've heard of that saying. Jesus is saying, you can't see the sign for the miracle. What's the miracle pointing to? It's not pointing to, wow, we've got a perpetual, unending supply of food, of fish and bread. It's pointing to something way deeper. Your soul is starving, and the only one that can satisfy it is Jesus. And he could give you so much more than you could ever eat, more satisfaction than you could ever dream. You see, when we encounter leprosy in the Bible, we're seeing a picture of our own sinful hearts. Well, as leprosy deadens the ability to feel pain, doesn't sin do that to you when you give into it? It deadens your conscience. You felt bad the first time, and then if you keep giving into it, you don't quite feel so bad down the road. It sort of frees you from guilt. 
And as lepers emit a foul odor, an unpleasant odor, that's what sin does as it puts a stench in the nostrils of God. And like leprosy, sin spreads and it defiles and it separates us from others. And most terribly, it separates us from God. You see, leprosy is a picture of a sinner in need of the cleansing of the gospel. You know, the late D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of my favorite theologians, he once wrote these words, until you realize that your trouble is that you yourself are wrong and that your whole nature is wrong, until you realize that, you will never have need of a Savior. Friends, do you know what that means? It means when you're telling somebody about the good news of Jesus Christ, it's necessary to tell them the bad news before you tell them the good news. Because the good news doesn't look so good until you see the bad news as being so bad. That terrible moment when Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden, it ushered in an alien presence called sin, and it would plant itself firmly into every human being that ever would be born. And the unswerving result of all sin is rebellion against God. You can't be a sinner without being a a rebel. And the price of that rebellion is God's wrath and judgment. And the only antidote to that wrath is Jesus. He's the antidote to spiritual leprosy. And he came and he died on the cross to save us from God's wrath. He's the only solution to the the leprosy of our soul. And this truth brought a desperate leper to the feet of Jesus for healing, but what would Jesus do? And this is our second observation, because we're about to see the merciful heart of Jesus. Now, friends, can you look at me for a moment? I mean, you, you may, some of you might be writing this down, but uh, it's only a few words. Just hurry it up, would you, and look up here. I got to really impress something on you. And if you don't believe this, can you just take it on faith? Just borrow my faith for a moment but I actually think you're going to believe this. You will never, ever, neither will I, fully comprehend nor apprehend the full extent of Christ's mercy, even after billions of years in eternity. It is more than you will ever know. Now, I want you to say that, and if you... If you you know, say that to your soul, and if you can't quite believe it, because if you struggle with shame, I can tell you what's happening. It throws a, a circuit breaker on the mercy of God. Yeah, I know theologically, theoretically, God is merciful. His mercy's new every morning, Lamentations 3. But he's merciful to everybody but me. I've gone too far. I've made too many mistakes. And yes, he's given me some of that mercy, some of the electricity is going through the circuit breaker, but not all of it because, man, the moment I do something wrong, here comes the cosmic smite button. He is going to discipline me in his wrath once again. His mercy is more than you will ever understand. Can you hear the raspy, hoarse, grating words of the leper in verse 12. Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. 
Jesus had just come down the mountain, gave the greatest sermon ever preached, and that leper, listen, I'm going to guess, I'm going to ask him in heaven, I think he was, I think he was standing far off, but I think as those words echoed down that mountain slope, I think the leper heard that sermon, and if he did, here are two things that ignited his faith, that gave desperation to his feet to break Jewish law and drop down before the feet of the rabbi Jesus. Here's what Jesus had just preached, judge not that you not be judged. Everybody else is judging the leper, but Jesus says, don't judge, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And then I think the leper heard what Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you, leper, more valuable than them? And all of a sudden, his faith is united and married with his hope, and he acts on it, and Jesus responds. Now, this is incredible, because there's a lot of people that think you've got to clean up your act before you come to Jesus. Is this not a picture of the gospel that Jesus wants you the way you are? In verse 13, Jesus stretched out his hand and did something that no rabbi, almost no Jewish person would ever have done, and touched him, saying, I will be clean, and immediately the leprosy left him. Do you not feel the shockwave of those words, stretched out his hand and touched him? You know, years ago, I was cleaning out the backs of those pews that you're sitting in, you guys stuff a lot of stuff in those pews. You make a lot of work for us. But I don't know who did this. Somebody put a syringe in there. And I just about got that thing in my finger. And it went through my mind. I wonder what would have happened if I did. Do you see that touching a leper in the first century was tantamount to accidentally in? piercing your finger with a syringe from an AIDS patient. That's really what it was like. Nobody touched a leper, and if you accidentally did, not only might you contract it, you were now spiritually defiled by the laws of the Jewish people. You know, there's a lot of faith healers around America. You know that America exports the prosperity gospel. It's sick. It's cultic. It's all through Africa, coming straight from America. And you've got one faith healer who expressed his twisted doctrine this way. He writes, how can God choose not to heal someone when he already purchased their healing? Was his blood not enough? Was his blood enough for all sin or just certain sins? Were the stripes he bore only for certain illnesses? There are no deficiency on his end. Neither the covenant is deficient nor is compassion or promises. All lack is on our end of the equation. Now listen, if you pray for God for healing and you don't get healed, it's not God's problem, it's your lack of faith. That's what he's saying. 
And those who believe this, and there's millions of Christians that believe this, they take this scripture, scripture out of context from Peter. He himself, Christ, bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. He's not talking about physical suffering. The verse refers to spiritual healing, things like forgiveness and peace, not physical healing. But that prosperity gospel healer goes on. He says, take risk, pray for people, not if it be thy will kind of prayer. In the thousands of people, he says, that I've seen healed, I've never seen anyone healed from that kind of prayer. Yet, you go back to Luke chapter 5, look closely at what moved Jesus to heal the man. The leper said, Lord, if you will. That's just saying, Lord, if it's your will, you can make me clean. And Jesus replied, I will be clean. So the question that we've got to answer, because there's so much prosperity theology around, the question I really want you to answer is, why did Jesus heal this man? Is it because he had great faith? Did he ask Jesus in just the right way? Well, you've got to go to Mark's gospel to really get the answer so clearly given. And I'll just read it to you. It's found in chapter 1, verse 41. It's the same event. Now it's through Peter's eyes, because Mark was his narrator. Mark was not there. Peter was. Peter told Mark, and Mark narrated it. He wrote it down. He says this, Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. The phrase moved with pity. That's one Greek word. We translate it compassion. It means to feel in the very deepest part of your being and then be moved to action. So here's what happens. Jesus sees this poor, desperate man full of leprosy. He's kneeling before him. He's begging, and he was moved emotionally. And he reached out his hand, touches him, and heals him by his word. Not because he's amazed at the man's faith. He never even comments on the man's faith. It's simply because this this man was suffering so terribly, it moved the heart of God to do something about it. That's why he healed. And obviously, of course, by the way, what I'm about to say to you is hard to bear. Obviously, the message in that for Christ followers, which are little Christ called Christians, do we feel in our souls for the suffering and does it motivate us to do something about it? Now listen, it would be a very terrible thing for you to call yourself a Christian and to see suffering that is within your power to help and you do nothing. That is neither pleasing to God nor is it satisfying to you. It does not portray what Christ did. And we're about to see the third demonstration. What do we see about Jesus? We're going to see it here. The incredible power of our Lord. He commands the man's ravaged body to be clean. It's all by his word. There's nothing magical in his hand. It's by his word. And immediately the leprosy left him. All right, are you a Marvel fan like I am? It's not like Deadpool. 
Not like Wolverine with their healing factor. Not like Hollywood drama where things kind of slowly pop out when your hand gets severed and cuts begin to close. This man instantly was clean, meaning his skin was healthy. He could feel the breeze on his face again. And only two people in all of the Bible's history before this had ever been healed of leprosy. You've got Naaman and you've got Miriam. That's it. Yet look again at what Jesus says in verse 13. I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. Now you gotta look at that. I gotta show you something. Look at that passage. Look at the word clean. Now look at the word cleansing. These words move us back to the religious system of the Jews. You see, Judaism, the religion of the Jews, was a system of commands that they believed if you obeyed them, if you kept them, it would make a person clean. And being clean meant you were righteous, undefiled, pure, holy in the eyes of God, pleasing to him. He was really happy with you when you're clean. He's really mad at you when you're, not, when you're not clean. That's the Jewish religion. So to be unclean was to be unrighteous and under God's wrath and a leper to the Jews. Did you know this? A leper to the Jewish people was the second most unclean person on the planet. The only thing more unclean than a leper to the Jewish mindset was a dead body. That level of uncleanness, a leper, they believed earned a person the wrath and the judgment of God. Now, you're a leper. You're full of leprosy, probably been a leper for 15 to 20 years. You probably don't have a whole lot of time left. It's spread all over your body. You're outside of the community. You can't go into a town. You can't go to worship. Nobody talks to you but other lepers and those who are coming to help you. You can't even hear your own voice anymore. It's just some grating, monstrous voice. You can smell your own stench. That's you. That's me. Because that's what a sinner is who's desperately in need of the grace of God. But you remember I told you that all the miracles of Jesus pointed to a deeper spiritual truth. Clean is what the blood of Jesus makes the believing sinner all the way to the depth of the soul. There is no disease of the body that Jesus cannot overcome if he wills. And there is no sin he cannot cleanse you from. Listen, even the very worst, most unimaginable, terrible act that you committed years ago. There is nothing that can keep you from being cleaned by Jesus. And immediately, Jesus puts this former leper on a mission. He gives him a purpose to testify, not to the people. Did you notice that? Don't go talk to the people. I'm sending you to the priests. Because they need to hear this. But Mark tells us that this man disobeyed Jesus. He told everyone. And we think, who could blame him? After all, aren't we supposed to testify of Jesus wherever we go? 
Yeah, I got to tell you, though, this man's disobedience interfered with the mission of Jesus. You've got to obey every word of Jesus. He said it for a reason. His purpose was to preach throughout all of Galilee, all the towns in Galilee. By the way, there's about 240 towns in Galilee. But now, because this man is telling everybody, Luke tells us in verse 15, even more, the report about Jesus went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and be healed of their infirmities. But Jesus would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Instead, Jesus told them, go, show yourself to the priest, make an offering for your cleansing, verse 14, the way that Moses commanded for a proof to them. What was he proving? I think there's two things. One, that he's actually clean. Now he could go into a synagogue. I think there's more, though. I think he's proving that there is somebody sent by God that has the power to overcome leprosy. And the priests needed to see evidence which would prove that Jesus had come, that God had come indeed in the flesh. And no person, no person other than Naaman and Miriam had ever been healed. Not in the biblical history before this moment. And not from leprosy. See, Jesus is saying, go wake up the priests. These are the health officials of the Jews. Convict them, indict them for their unbelief. Let them know that the great high priest of God has come, the one who will make men right with God by offering himself as a sacrifice for the leprosy of men and women's souls. I mean, this is an amazing story. But you've just unwrapped a gift. What was in it for you today? You don't have leprosy. There is an island in Hawaii that still has a leper colony. There's one in, in Louisiana. Lots in India. But what does it have to do with you? You live in the Northeast, in the Pennsylvania, in Jersey. I mean, what does this message of leprosy have to do with you and I today? Well, friends, I've got to just brace you with this. Ready? Do you know and do you really truly understand you are a spiritual leper before you give your life to Christ? It's spreading. Sin does not stay in a neat little compartment of your soul. It spreads. And like a leper, you're likely not even aware of it until the Lord shows you by opening up your eyes. You can feel something wrong. People are telling you around you there's something wrong, but you're not listening. You say, maybe I'll deal with it tomorrow. I'm not ready yet. And meanwhile, Jesus is coming down the mountain having just preached a sermon of grace. I love you. I have a gift for you. It has salvation in it. I want to give it to you. You can only open it one way, by faith. But I want to give it to you. But you got to take it. you got to receive it. And I've got more mercy in my heart, Jesus is saying, than you could possibly ever imagine. And all those terrible things that you have done and all those unimaginable travesties of sin that you've committed, they are nothing that I cannot cleanse you from. They're not an obstacle to my love. 
And you're not going to be able to clean yourself up before I save you. In fact, I'd rather have you dirty. Have you ever fallen at his feet and pleaded to be made clean? That's salvation. Not lording over him, anticipating him to fall at your feet and do what you demand. That's not your Lord and Savior. That would just be your Savior. You've got to fall at his feet. Meaning you see the contamination of your soul. You see that you've committed cosmic defiance and then against the one that created you. The one that loves you more than anybody ever will. You've actually spit in his face. You've taken your right hand or your left hand and you've given him a punch to the jaw saying, I don't want you ruling my life. I want to rule my life. I want to be on the throne. I want to manage it. I like the kingdom the way I like my kingdom, all neatly tidied up and packaged. And God, if you want to be part of it, that's fine. But you belong at the bottom of the throne and I belong up here. That's what sin does. And that will not lead to your salvation. Not until you come off of that throne and let Jesus have his rightful place and you fall at his feet and you plead for his grace and you ask him to make your leprous soul clean. And he will not wait a moment before he reaches out with his mercy and he says, I am absolutely willing. You're clean. And go tell people about it. Now you can tell everybody about it. Go tell your pastors, the priests, tell them about it because they're going to pray for you. They're going to come around you. They're going to help you grow up into your new spiritual skin. Go tell everybody about it. Testify to the greatness of God because he forgave you. That's why he died on the cross. And he died to make you clean, right with God so that you can receive his favor and not his wrath and both last forever. His favor will last for eternity, but if you reject Jesus, his wrath will last equally long. So come to him. Fall before him, ask for forgiveness, and be healed and have eternal life.